impact, income, and influence. If you have ever wondered if you could make it big as an entrepreneur, this podcast is for you. Timothy Dick grew up in a small rural town in the mid-90s, and he started doing websites and computer repair out of his bedroom when he was 15 years old. No one at the time was doing anything like that. He was getting paid for web hosting by check. His parents thought he might have been a drug dealer, but really... He just knew he was an entrepreneur. With no guidance and no one around to show him the way, he still made it big. He was one of the co-founders of HostGator. He went on to build one of the largest voiceover IP phone networks and now is the CEO and founder of ProfitLayer, which does amazing advertising and marketing in super ninja ways. This is an amazing podcast. Buckle up, hang on. And enjoy the show. Impact, income, and influence. It's the three things that are most important to entrepreneurs today. And that's what this podcast is all about. If you're a coach, consultant, author, blogger, YouTuber, creator, or entrepreneur who believes what they do can change the world, this podcast is dedicated to you. I'm Steve Warner, and welcome to Impact, Income, and Influence. What is going on, everyone? My name is Steve Warner. Welcome to Impact, Income, and Influence, the number one show for monetization on the internet. We are joined today by an amazing guest. Tim Dick grew up in Richwood, West Virginia, small coal mining town, no entrepreneurs, no entrepreneurial experience. In middle school, goes on to do six figures through through, he was getting checks in the mail, money orders in the mail. He's gone on to be a serial entrepreneur. Tim, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to, to be here. Dude, we, we got to chat a little bit before pressing record, and his stories are amazing. He, has, he shared more with me in five minutes about marketing than most people will ever learn in their entire life. Um, you run traffic for some huge names as well. Tell us a little bit about where you're at right now, who you're running traffic for and things that you're doing. Yeah. So right now, like my primary focus is, uh, our, um, I have an agency called uh, profit layer because we look at all of the different layers that you can layer together to create the best results for a client. And, you know, and so that could be like layering different, forms of advertising, different ad networks, or, you know, just even just like layering uh, um, advertising with PR and just basically it's different and unique for everybody. So we look at all the, those layers. So profit layer. Um, I also uh, own and run a, uh, a SaaS company that is a voice over IP telecom company. So we offer uh phone service and messaging services for residential business customers all over the US and in some places in Canada. So we got tens of thousands of customers there. Um, and that's, that's actually a 14 year old company. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's kind of a hybrid between, I always say kind of like a, a boring telecom utility 
but with a modern twist of the cloud and all the cool software that we can do there. So um, I have that. And then, uh, you know, I do uh, through, um, you know, usually through the agency, I end up doing a lot of just consulting, advising, um, on a few boards, things like that. Talk about a serial entrepreneur. You are doing some amazing, amazing things. So this, you have to tell us more about how this started. I know that it was a little while ago, but in middle school, your parents, you said your parents didn't even have a computer. They didn't know what a computer, how it worked really, right? Yeah. So, so this would have been, you know, mid, late nineties, um, you know, and I was in uh, really, you know, I always from a very young age uh, felt like there was more out there. You know, I mean, I grew up, you know, with great parents, very hardworking, uh, you know, did everything they they could to provide a good life for my brother and I. Uh, we had always had everything that we needed, uh, not a lot more, you know, so like kind of the typical middle-class, you know, family. Uh, my dad was um, a coal miner and worked in sawmills as well. So sawmills and coal mines, uh, you know, and he uh, was typically at work before dark and a lot of times home after dark or right before, you know, so, uh, you know, very strong work ethic there. Uh, and my mom was a homemaker. So, um, being in a, you know, being in a small town, uh, I mean, I guess there were a few entrepreneurs there, but it was kind of like, you know, in a small town, you, you really only need one provider of each service. So it's like, you need one pharmacist, you need one doctor, one lawyer, you know, just one of each thing. And then usually that's about it. And a lot of times, like those are family businesses that, you know, like they'll, uh, pass that business on and you know one of their kids will take over so there wasn't a lot of new stuff happening there um, my parents didn't use computers really at the time didn't have any interest in it and uh, I had uh, you know gotten exposed to computers obviously at school and wanted a computer at home and finally yeah uh, you know convinced my parents uh, to get me a computer for Christmas one year and uh, they once I, once I did that, I, you know, I got on the internet and, uh, basically that really exposed me to all the opportunity that's out there, you know, and I was just super curious and, you know, I knew that there was more there. I'd seen things on TV and, you know, I just, once I got on the internet, I, I found that it does exist and, the internet actually made so much information available that I was able to research and learn uh, what I needed to, to do to build a business ultimately to, you know, have a better life. And at that time, part of my motivation was to uh, move somewhere else. <laughs> That's, I mean, I grew up super curious as well. So I can totally understand that you're in a small town. You're like, there's gotta be more out there. You get the internet. So think about like mid to late nineties, you were on dial up, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. And even actually funnily enough. Um, so I moved out to, uh, on my own uh, the day I graduated high school, because that was the, I finished high school a year early, but 
moved out the day of graduation. I already had an apartment lined out and everything in a uh, another part of the state that was just a little bit, a little bit bigger area, uh, not much, but um, and when I moved, uh, my parents still had dial up. There was no broadband available in their area still. So I was super excited. My first apartment, I, I thought I can get DSL or cable. Like, you know, I, I can get both, you know? <laughs> That's awesome. So, I mean, talk to us about what you built in high school. Cause I'm just trying to picture like you get the computer. I mean, I got a computer, same thing. It was a, it was a gateway, right? It came in the cow yeah, box. The big cow boxes and and funny, funny enough, like I had, uh, you know, like I said, it was a Christmas gift, but when the cow boxes showed up, like, you know, I'm like, what is that? Like, you know, I knew exactly what it was before my mom had a chance to hide it. Yeah. So uh, I, I got that one a little early, but, uh, you know, what, what really, uh, I started seeing things and learning about things. And one of the things that you know, a lot of it started in school where, you know, teachers kind of knew that, you know, I, I was pretty good with computers and, you know, I, I would just learn and learn. And uh, so I started out actually uh, initially planning to do computer repair, you know, and so there weren't any of those services in the area. And so I just said, you know, I made flyers. I put like, uh, as I made money from it, I just reinvested it back into like little ads in the newspaper and, mm -hmm. you know, just word of mouth, uh, started doing computer repair there. And a lot of it, you know, I figured if I don't know it and I can't figure it out, I just won't charge them for it. You know, and I, it's just as simple as that sometimes. And people, I think overcomplicate it, but it, you know, that it can be that simple. So you start doing computer repair and I love that you broke it down and made it simple because that is it. Like you don't have to have big, crazy, you don't need a storefront. You don't need crazy advertising. And so many people are scared. Like, what if they ask me something I don't know? Well, then you just say, I don't know. Yeah, Especially, say, I don't know. And, you know, and I tried, I can, not charging you. I can, you know, research it, you know, you, you just, so many people I think get caught up in like, the image, you know, that you need to portray to customers, you know, for your business and people, especially, especially today, you know, really appreciate transparency and authenticity. And, you know, even like if you say you're, you're late on delivering on a project or something, if you're honest about it, you're typically going to get a much better response than if you try to cover it up or make excuses, things like that. I, I a hundred percent agree. I mean, I've, my background's live events and I love it because you, you, when you're talking to somebody, it's much harder. They, they don't have like five layers of social media that are, you know, BS in front of them. You, you're the person. And it, I agree to your point about if you're late on something or if a project isn't going correct, don't try to cover it up. Don't make excuses. Just take responsibility and tell people, Hey, it, it's coming. This is what happened. I'm doing like people all understand that because that nobody is perfect. Yeah. And they may even change the scope of it or, you know, say, yeah. how can I make it easier? You know, that's uh, people are generally, especially if they're business people, they're entrepreneurs, uh, you know, all entrepreneurs, 
have issues from time to time. You know, like we all have sometimes big issues, sometimes little issues, but nothing's perfect. Uh, it's just a lot of uh, people on the outside don't see those issues on the inside. And so a lot of entrepreneurs, they're used to that. And so when like another entrepreneur, you know, has an issue or something, I mean, they can relate to it. They, yeah. you know, you know, and if they can't and they're super unreasonable, then probably not someone you want to work with. That, I mean, that is, that's the second key, right? Like I, I remember the first time I fired a client, I was just like, you're not, you know what? This just isn't working out. I'm just going to go ahead and refund you. And they're like, what do you mean? You know what? I don't. That that's one thing I've had situations like even uh, um, you know with with Voipo, my you know phone service. Like we've had one customer that uh, is just always insanely hostile and has all these random issues that are not real issues. You know, they're just kind of like she just swears that her phone is acting up, and we're but can't really define you know what acting yeah. up means or what it's doing and we've we've told her a couple times like i've sent an email i said you know what um i just it seems like for whatever reason you know you're having a lot of odd issues and we're not able to uh solve those through support it looks like you've spent a lot of time with support and you know i just think it might be time to find another provider that might be able to um, provide you with better service for your unique situation, you know, or provide you the level of support and customer care that you seem to, to need, um, because obviously we're not doing a good job at that. And so, you know, we'll, we'll actually give you a full refund. We're not even going to prorate it, you know, and I'm going to, uh, you know, I've sent her refund check and, you know, notified her and, she keeps coming back though like she'll she'll uh call in and she'll just be like i need to reactivate my account like and uh she mails the check back with like a note that's like i i don't want to cancel you know it's like you know so you can't beat that i mean that's a customer <laughs> that is begging you to be a customer <laughs> yeah she's you know and uh i don't know so it's you run into interesting situations like that but you know, I think a big thing is, and I, and I, one thing I struggle with is taking things like that personal, you know, because if, when we have issues, like I have to realize that, um, it's not a personal thing that, you know, there, if we have an outage or something like that, you know, like, uh, it just happens. I mean, I think all entrepreneurs take it personally. I, I don't know because it's our baby, right? Like whatever we are building, it's our baby. And if somebody, mm -hmm has something to say. I mean, it, it always, but I think it's also what drives us to give great service and mm -hmm. to actually care about the people that we work with, regardless of what scale we are at. Um, I, I do love having somebody else handle my support stuff just because mm -hmm. I'm not on the front line. But if something comes through, they usually preframe it for me. They're like, Hey, this person is having a hard time with X, Y, Z. We went through the normal channels. They're still a little bit upset. At least I know and I, I'm not just opening because the worst is like opening an email and being like, bah, 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 bah. and like you're like, oh man, I haven't even had coffee yet this morning. What? Like, um, and that's so one of my rules. What you said about going through the normal channels, 
you know, I always tell, you know, customers, uh, you know, publicly, uh, when I, even when I respond to reviews and things, uh, you know, I just tell them, um, hey, you know, I'm more than willing to help and solve any problems. Um, I do ask that you go through our normal support channels first. And if they're not able to resolve it, let me know and I'll step in. But um, let's try the normal channels first. That's what I mean. That's what they're set up for. I know everybody. Everybody wants the personal, the personal touch. I know the. I know the owner. I know the founder. I'm gonna reach out. Well, like half the time, I, I'm not gonna be able to fix it because I've got, like, that's what I pay other people to do. They handle it all the time. They're gonna be great at it. I'm just gonna email them. Well, but, you know, and a lot of times, when something like that gets escalated to me, a lot of times it's. Basically, I'm just sending it back to a support manager with a note yeah. saying, you know, hey, can you can you take a look at this, solve this? And it's something that, you know, just the fact that I think a lot of times the customer, you know, they just uh, feel that, you know, me commenting on it or something is going to, you know, change things. And But a lot of times, like, I, I just kind of, you know, I'm able to pass it back and it gets handled. Yeah. yeah, that's, I mean, that is exactly, exactly it. So to, I want to circle back to your story a little sure. bit. So you, you graduate high school, you move into an apartment, you can actually get cable. Uh -huh. You've got at the time you're doing you're a hosting service, correct? So yeah, because basically, you know, the computer repair turned into web design. You know, this was kind of the kind of the peak of the dot com boom towards the end. Uh, you know, so websites were still at a point where um, you could charge a lot of money for a single page that, especially if it had moving text or something, you know, people would pay a ton of money. And then from there, I realized, though, that, you know, I could charge a couple thousand dollars for that easily. Um, you know, and so that was kind of the middle school, you know, I was getting all these money orders and things in the mail and my parents were like, I hope you're not selling drugs or something. I don't know what you're doing on that computer, but you know, eventually it was like a snowball thing and they kind of just had to accept it <laughs> because right. it's already going. And then, but I realized that, you know, charging for a website and website, that's fine. But I realized that, you know, everybody needs web hosting, which for anyone who doesn't know, web hosting is basically like the server space that the website is on and the server on the other end of the that's connected to the internet that you connect to when you access a website. And so I realized that everyone has to have hosting and that has a website. And hosting is something that is a subscription service where you have to pay for it every month. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of the next evolution where I, I really thought, you know, it's great to be able to do these sites and, and everything, but I really like the idea of being able to provide a service where once it's set up for the, for the client, they're just going to continue to pay monthly for it. And I don't have to, uh, you know, continuously do any more work for it you know, unless obviously like customer service and things. So I, I started uh, out by just on an industry message board because we didn't really, message boards were more popular than uh, social media type stuff back then. There were some industry message boards that were super active and I got a reseller account for a web hosting company where I was basically kind of like 
allocated a chunk of space on their server. And, uh, you know, I would set up my clients within that and then eventually had enough where I leased my own server, in a, you know, in the data center and uh, kind of just went from there with it. Um, but I wanted to move out of West Virginia. Uh, West Virginia is, you know, great place, great people, but I wanted to experience more and something new. So mm -hmm. I had the opportunity just through being known in the industry and the message boards to go uh, um, to work for a little bit more established hosting company that was larger. So I kind of folded my hosting clients into, uh, into it and went and um, I was, uh, became the VP of business development initially and then transitioned into VP of operations at a web hosting company in upstate New York. Um, and so that was really the first experience that I technically I was working for the company. Um, you know, I didn't own the company and I didn't like that a lot. You know, that was kind of a, a change and the owner of the company and I didn't see eye to eye on a lot of things. And so, you know, I, I knew after you know, I was there, I, I mean, I did get to move to upstate New York. So that was moving to New York from West Virginia was a, a nice change. You know, I, you know, it went really well. Uh, but um, after a while, you know, I knew that I love the web hosting industry. I was getting uh, more well-known in the industry. And I started getting offers from other web hosting companies trying to coach me, basically. And um, I ended up meeting on a message board, uh, Brent, the founder of HostGator. Uh, and he's three years older than me, so we we're pretty similar in age. But he had started HostGator from his dorm, and it had started just exploding and in a good way. And uh, he said, hey, do you want to move down to Florida and you know, help me with HostGator? And uh i flew down you know we spent uh we went to dinner one night to this is the first time we met in person went to dinner and with uh with him and then also his uh right hand man at the time uh lance who's uh still a good friend of mine today and uh we we went to dinner and then that night um we ended up talking for like eight hours straight just into the morning at his house like out we were out in the patio just talking and uh, it's like, oh, wow, it's like 5 a.m. Like, you know, we probably should go. We, we just hit it off. You know, we had a lot of similar values. We looked at things in the same way. And so I moved down there, um, became part of Skater. I was pretty much like the original operations person. We didn't really do a lot of titles. It was kind of a pick your own thing, but yeah, so, I, so I guess I was really the first COO, uh, you know, senior VP kind of role. And because uh, I focused on the operational side, uh, more the back, back end. So like, you know, setting up the accounting, uh, hired the first uh, bookkeeper, first CFO, first HR team. Wow. Basically, the company was starting to grow, but it needed some of these pieces. And so uh, again, his right hand, uh, Lance, Lance and I were basically his um, first, at that stage, we were his uh, 
um, right hands uh, and doing everything. We moved to Houston uh, very quickly because um, we realized it was hard to hire in South Florida and the cost of living was still really high. And, you know, so we, we did that and he actually uh, wanted me to start another company to help him diversify because he was reinvesting everything back into HostGator, doing amazingly well. He said, can you start another company? I'll give you all the money you need for it. And I, you know, what a minority stake in it, you know, go build something and you can still be involved with HostGator, you know, selectively as much as you want, like strategic stuff, you know, but go build something. And uh, that's, that's where Voipo came from. And so, you know, he invested the first million dollars in Voipo because building a phone network is not cheap. And uh, one of the main reasons that we went for VoIP was that not everybody needs web hosting, but everybody needed phone service. So smart. And this was before the iPhone, before any of that. This was back. Vonage was really the only other major competitor. So started Voipo then and once it took off I kind of phased out of HostGator uh you know and focused more on Voipo and so to today I still still have Voipo uh, we still have some customers that have been with us for over 10 years and uh we uh you know just keep uh it's a very you know telecom's a very stable service and we you know, keep trying to innovate with features and things like that. And uh, that really, you know, after after running a company for that long, though, you do get a little bored sometimes. And so that's what led to me uh, getting into the marketing world. And I, you know, I've always, looking back, I've always been a marketer. I just maybe didn't realize it because getting clients, you know, even as a teenager, I was marketing and learning marketing. I just didn't realize it. And so that's when I, you know, I launched uh, Profit Layer to do marketing, uh, management, and consulting, just uh, really to have more variety, you know, because Voipo is great, but, uh, you know, I, I like to experience new things, new industries, play with things, but I don't want to launch brand new companies in all these industries. Right. So that I mean, that career path is really fascinating to look at. I want just because we only have a few minutes till we're going to be called back in. um, I want to touch on what you're doing in marketing, because so many people that I talk to, like, I had a Facebook ads agency that I ran for several years, like, you're doing stuff that is outside of that box by quite a bit. Um, So talk to us a little bit about what you do, where the impotence came from to start it. And like, share a few best practices because it's when we were talking before pressing record, there were some pretty cool things that you're up to. Yeah. So, so one of the biggest things is I feel like a lot of people, you know, stick to one, one or two main forms of advertising. You know, when it comes to online advertising, usually it's Facebook ads. We have so many people that come to us with Facebook ads and say, you know, if my Facebook ads account gets suspended or their algorithm changes a lot or something happens, then I'm kind of screwed because that's the only advertising that I do. So Facebook definitely works, you know, it's it's effective. And Google works, you know, Google ads, YouTube ads, all that works. 
Um, and then there are other ad networks that are out there that are maybe a little lesser known um, because they're targeted towards certain, uh, uh, you know, certain types of businesses or there are, there's also just kind of like the native and programmatic world. And the native and programmatic world is something that a lot of people don't completely get, but basically think of it as, you know, Facebook and Google make up a chunk of the internet, but there are, I, I, don't, I don't know the number, but there are a lot of other websites on the internet. That's a very small part. <laughs> Right. Almost every website on the internet has ads on it, usually banner ads and things like that. And so <clears throat> there, there's things that you can do like with programmatic and native advertising where you put banners on the other, the rest of the internet, you know, on those sites. And it's like, even though you may be on sites that are like, you know, super high traffic sites like ESPN or like a major news site or uh, the Wall Street Journal or some of these sites, you know, they pretty much all tie into a few uh, core ad networks that uh, uh, to monetize their site. And so you can go in and basically use targeting uh, to show your ads on those sites, like banner ads or text ads, things like that to people based on the criteria that you want, you know, and there's like all these data providers out there that you could pull in, you know, people that, you know, maybe they have a certain profession, they live in a certain area, they are loyal to certain brands, uh, you know, like even the cable companies sell data, you know, where it's like, is someone impulsive or not, you know, because you might want to have an offer that's different for someone that's impulsive or someone that, uh, you know, is methodical and they're going to research. The cable companies know that because they found that some people fast forward and skip around and they right. watch a little bit of everything. Some people will not go out of order, you know, in watching episodes in a series or something. So there's all this stuff that you can get. And it, it's a lot of people get scared by that. There's, they're like, everything's tracking me. And stuff and it's like there's a lot of tracking out there um you know another version of that is using like a grocery store savings card like yeah. a burger card or something you know uh and all this data is out there but it's anonymized so it's not like we can generate a lead list or something or we can't look someone up but we can take like tens of thousands of combinations of behavioral uh, demographics, purchase history, uh, brand loyalty, even physical location based on GPS cell records from cell phones and create these personas where we can say, go out on the internet and show my ads to people that meet all this criteria. And it's actually fairly inexpensive. It's usually actually more inexpensive than Facebook. Um, one of the reasons is that, you know, Facebook has an algorithm and their algorithm is designed as a social network to get people to consume more content on Facebook. With uh, the advertising that we do, we're controlling the algorithm, we're building the algorithm. And 
whenever, and we can typically hone things in even more because we might know more about like, like if we're getting a lot of like people that are coming through, but there's like some nuance that makes them not qualified to buy whatever we're selling or there's something, we probably have an option within the massive amount of targeting options to fix that versus the black box. Right. That we kind of have to rely on. That's, I mean, the, you were telling me that the, like, I always thought Facebook, the Facebook options, right. That you have, mm-hmm. you could do targeting pretty well. And you're like, Oh, this is way, way better than Facebook targeting. Oh yeah. It's like, I mean, I'm talking like super detailed, like, like, cause there are certain things like, here's a big one is like purchase history. You know, like this, if you have, like, say you're targeting, uh, you have an offer that is uh, for very affluent buyers. You could target things like if they've purchased certain brands of products or they physically are in yacht clubs or, you know, different venues and stuff, then you can use that for targeting to show your ads to them. And the thing is, they're going to see your ads all over the internet, like on various sites. So it's like, it also is kind of that omnipresence situation where, um, you know, you start popping up everywhere. And most people are familiar with when you go to a website, you start seeing it all over and that's called retargeting. But, you know, in a way, this is uh, very similar, except instead of them going to your website or interacting with your page or something along those lines to get targeted, they're being targeted based on behavioral, psychographic, demographic, all in all that. And you can also take, uh, take lists and analyze them. So if you have like a list of your best customers, you can analyze them and figure out the most obscure things sometimes. Like, like, you know, like, you know, I can say with Voipo, one example with Voipo that we kind of knew, but, you know, running it through, that's what really validated some of the, this technology for me, because whenever we ran our customer list through, it said, you know, your customers have an affinity for oldies music and some of these different traits. And we do have a lot of seniors, you know, so I thought, well, that, that's pretty accurate. So by incorporating that into your, into your marketing, you can get hyper-targeted and, um, you know, really just access the rest of the internet beyond the major platforms. I mean, I think that is super, one, it's super interesting that you can, I like, I'm familiar with psychographics and demographics, but the fact that you can get micro-detailed and then spread the ad across the entire internet. Like I always knew there were an ad networks out there, but something I had also always heard was if you want to advertise on ESPN, you you can buy ads just for there. I, I didn't think about the way that it would work around the entire internet and follow people around. I mean, I guess I always kind of knew it, but it's mm-hmm. it's interesting to hear how the back end works. And I think we're going to see a lot of in the coming years, we're going to see more people move towards those ad networks just because Facebook is becoming kind of the Facebook mafia. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's the same thing. Even some, a lot of people are surprised to know that even on like uh, a lot of TV stuff now is household based. So you may see different commercials than your neighbors watching the same show. 
that you know I, like I, that's a that's a targeting option for us and well i know, know amazon like, uh, yeah amazon i know amazon does that i know netflix does that like but it's even like across the cable that's interesting i mean they're being smart because why show ads to things that people aren't going to buy you want you yeah and that's the thing like people get so you know they're like this is really freaks me out and you know i don't like all this but the thing is it's all of it is uh, anonymized like there's there's a lot of protection and it's not like any company is selling like a list of names i can't pull you up in a database and see like what brand of ketchup you buy but i might be able to target and show an ad to people that buy that brand right that's well that's the important i've had that discussion with my mom and my aunt and my dad and like like all these people who are super freaked out but i'm like it's all anonymous they're just they're able to it's showing you things that you would like which honestly and, it's better yeah. for the customer yeah exactly i would rather see things that i that i'm interested in or likely to be interested in than just random stuff so well, Tim, it has been awesome having you on. I'm sure we could go on and talk for another hour about this stuff, but I want to give you a chance. If people are interested in this and they're listening, they're like, man, I want to do something like that. Where can they find you? Where should they reach out to you? Yeah, if uh, anyone wants to explore possibilities for that, they can go to uh, profitlayer.com, which is my company, Profit Layer. Um, and that's basically... Uh, we look at all the different layers that we can put together to create the best results. Um, they can also find me on social media, Timothy Dick, on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, pretty much any social media platform, or timothydick.com uh, has links to all of those. Awesome. Well, Tim, thank you so much for sharing. It has been a pleasure to chat with you. Maybe we'll have you on again. Absolutely. It was, yeah, it's been great talking to you. And yeah, I'd be happy to come on and get uh, dive a little deeper into that and, you know, answer some questions. Awesome. To everybody listening, I know you got a ton out of this. Make sure you go check out Profit Layer, um, connect with Tim all over social media. Until next time, take action, change lives and make money. We'll see you soon. Thanks for tuning into today's show. Are you looking for a way to produce powerful content that creates quality leads and can scale your business from 3K to 10K and beyond? If so, head over to storiesthatscale.com and pick up your free templates today. These free templates will show you the five core stories that will help your business scale that you can tell across social media, email, and YouTube. Anywhere you need content, these templates will help you out and they're free at storiesthatscale.com. Or if you know you want my help building out your content and monetization strategy, head over to steven.coffee and book my time today. Till next time, take action, change lives, and make money. I'll see you soon. Thank you.